Clubhouse. Welcome to Pod Clubhouse Press Pass, your one-stop shop podcast where we take it behind the scenes with coverage of festivals, cons, and live events. We're in the middle of our continuing coverage of Season 10 of the ATX TV Festival. Tonight, we're giving you the roundup from Day 8 from the festival. Uh, actually, I'm not really giving you anything. Caroline, who's here with me, is going to be giving you most of it because she's the one who sat and watched all of the things today. Hi, Mike. Hey, Caroline. So I know we both missed State of the Union, and we were super bummed about that because it was live and not available for replay. Yeah, and I love that one. Yeah, that's the one where they usually tell us what's going on in the industry currently and kind of keep us up to date. Super bummed we missed that one. I'm really glad that they have it and hope to catch it next year. One that I did catch was Casting Nonfiction Series. This one was pretty cool because it had representatives from Top Chef, Project Runway, Born This Way, RuPaul's Drag Race, Queer Eye. And it was really interesting to listen to how they go about casting they're contestants. You know, this is something that we sort of think about because all of us are like, I don't sitting on our couch feeling like, oh, man, I would have done that so much better. Oh, man, I would have done this or that. And it was fun to hear them say like, yeah, you think that, but <laughs> it's much harder when you actually get up there. Well, you and I both watch a lot of reality shows. I, I watch reality of competitive shows like Top Chef and Amazing Race. And But you watch like a whole gamut of them. You watch RuPaul's Drag Race. You watch Top Chef. I love Project Runway. With Project Runway. I mean, you watch almost you watch almost all the shows represented on this panel today, and yeah. we often talk about man, what did they do to get on the show, or how did they catch the eye of the show? Because it's a it's a whole alchemy, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they do do some open casting still, but not much anymore. A lot is done by social media. And and for uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, Ethan was explaining that he attends the majority of drag shows and then brings those contestants forward to RuPaul. And RuPaul is actually the one that makes all the decisions on that one, which is not a surprise because the, those that one just seems like such a personal endorsement from RuPaul. I could see where... It would be like, no, I'm going to choose very carefully who I want to represent the show. Seeing as you know so much about reality shows and you follow them kind of so closely and you're very involved and you're, you have a great theory about the edit, especially on reality shows. Was there something from this panel that surprised you to hear them say or at least admit out loud that maybe you didn't know beforehand? I think I was surprised to hear that they go on social media and actually track people like they go in there and deep dive into people's social media, kind of like you would if you were doing like just like a small town. Oh, you see someone over there and then you like talk to them and you like bring them who like they didn't necessarily come to you, but they go on social media and find people who they think would be a good match. That was that was like, oh, wow, you and I had covered the undoing. And whenever the lawyer on that said that they actually do a lot of research on like Facebook and stuff like that to learn about the jurors. This felt a lot like that where you're like, oh man, <laughs> you know, right. like they, they could find you on this and like call you up and be like, hey, we think you'd be a good match. Like 
very fascinating. But now everything is done so quick on Zoom and with like quick 10-minute phone calls. It's much different than the past of all of those. Remember like when the, when certain casting people would like come to the mall? Do you remember that? And that sure. would be like such Isn't, a big deal. There were a whole bunch of like the the pop idols from the 80s and the, and the, and the early 90s where that's how they were found. Casting agents walking through the malls, finding the kids that looked hip and being like, hey, <laughs> can, can you like mimic along if you can't even sing or dance? Can you like pretend a little bit? So Yeah. So that was interesting to hear that, that, you know, the constant transition we're all going through where we're going to Zoom meetings and we're not really getting the, that face-to-face, you know, interaction anymore. So it was, it was interesting. I encourage people, if, if you have a badge, head back, you can still watch this one. And, and I think you'll have a lot of appreciation for the process and what these contestants go through in order to get on the show. Now, one show that is a staple of competitive reality television that was not represented on this casting panel was The Amazing Race. Why? Maybe they were celebrating their 20th anniversary with their own panel uh, on this day eight of ATX TV Festival. And this is one that you and I both watched. What did you think to hear Phil talk about people watching him age 20 years in one <laughs> binge setting? It was It was really striking for me to like hear that because that's how I watched The Amazing Race. It was always something I wanted to watch, but didn't really sit down to do until COVID hit. And I found myself a lot of time. And now I have 31 seasons, 32 seasons. I can go binge on online. Yeah, you do see him get older over over a 20 year period. That was super funny. I appreciated the fact that his entire career pretty much has been The Amazing Race. And you really can see it just and how his clothes change and his accent falls away a little bit as it goes on. And you, you can really see it was funny when he was talking about the high def TVs and how his face has gotten more lined as the televisions have gotten even crisper. And he was sad about that, those yeah. lines crossing. He was this was a version of Phil, and again, this was a Zoom panel. Everyone here was on Zoom. It was uh, pre-recorded, uh, so it was Phil, and then it was three teams from the past. They had uh, four teams. They had Robin Brennan from season one winners. They had Tammy and Victor, who were the, the siblings from season fourteen. And then we have Leo and Jamal, who are the Afghanimals, and they were the they were on All Stars, and they were three time competitors, but never won. And then my favorite team was Amy and Maya. They were the season twenty five winners. They were the sweet scientists. I'm so excited that we got an opportunity to interview them and learn more about their win. I have gone back again, Mike, and I'm watching their season right now again just for fun and oh my goodness the trials and tribulations and the fact that they actually won is amazing yeah i mean they are kind of like the beekman boys the other the only other people we've ever interviewed from that had been on the amazing race happened to be the beekman boys which we didn't interview them because of the amazing race we interviewed them because of their tie-in to schitt's creek but they were very similar they only won one leg of the race in their seasons, and that leg happened to be the final leg, the only one that really mattered at the end of the day, which is <laughs> Isn't kind of it shocking. Amazing, yeah, it is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah, I was really pleased that uh, we were able to interview Amy and Maya because I watched the Amazing Race, and I don't want to. I mean, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of the Afghanimals. I don't like how I don't like their attitude. I know they're fan favorites. There's a reason why the show has had them on three times. People like their bad boyness and like their flirty eyes and all that stuff. They're the way they. They play the game 
it drives me crazy. I want people who are just true to themselves, who are nice people, who are not looking to throw unders under the, under the bus, that aren't like doing their talking heads and being like, you know, team so-and-so are, are bitches <laughs> or assholes. Like, I don't want right. that. I want nice people who are doing the best just trying, because that's how I think, I, that's how I hope I would be if and when I ever go on The Amazing Race. You know, just a, just a schlub who is struggling to get through and stay alive <laughs> around the world. And then, you know, God willing, make it to the end first. So I was really happy because that's who Avi and Maya really seem to be. They really seem to be true to themselves. There's a great story in the interview you'll hear in a second with them where they talk about how they had a fight early on in the season, which got caught on camera. And then afterwards talked about it and they made a vow to not fight again and not fight again like that. And they didn't. And they went the next 10 legs of the race without fighting or bickering that way. I love that. I love that. It makes a huge difference because watching it, I mean, that some of the competitors in their season were so whiny and so complainy. It was insane. I mean, <laughs> it was unbelievable. But I appreciated the stories that we got from some of the other teams. One of my favorite was that Victor and Tammy, they are siblings, as Mike mentioned, and Victor would call ahead to his mom and be like, before you watch this episode, let me tell you my side of the story. <laughs> because that is so something. <laughs> I could see happening when you have siblings and you don't want to, you know, you don't want your mom to see something on TV and then come, come at you. I was like, that's so great. And Tammy pointed out some stuff that I was like, man, I never really thought about the embarrassment factor of it all. Like the fact that she had to wear a white leotard on TV and do like cartwheels and how, you know, just, just embarrassed and, and humiliated that she felt having to do that. She kept emphasizing the white leotard portion, which I agree. I mean, that's one of those things like, Man, if you don't see everything, you're not really looking. Well, you have to think back in the age when, in the years, I mean, this show starts in 2001. In the earliest seasons, they were the season 14 team. So they were probably, let's see, Amy and Maya were season 25, and they Mm -hmm. raced in 2014. So Victor and Tammy are season 14. So they're probably, what, 2009, maybe? 2008, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there? It wasn't necessarily something that maybe was going to live forever, the things that you did on TV. So even if you were aware of, man, I'm doing some really silly stuff here, I hope it doesn't bite me in the butt, it wasn't, you weren't necessarily aware that YouTube was going to encapsulate your life forever. But <laughs> we heard from all of the panelists, and I think Amy and Maya bring this up, I think they brought it up on the panel, and they brought it up in our interview too. They've interviewed people in their jobs, perspective in people they were going to work with, they, they've people they've worked with overall, who have said to them, hey, I know you, I've watched your videos. I think it was Amy said she was getting ready to interview someone. They walked into the interview and they were like, yeah, I Googled you and I watched all of your videos on YouTube from when you were on The Amazing Race. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No, because, because I think that most of us as potential contestants would think, do I have the wherewithal to get through a certain challenge? Like, could I eat those things? Or could I climb up that? Or could I jump off that? But I can honestly say until she said that, I never thought of, but would I look like an idiot doing it? And now that she said that, I'm like, oh, man, that right. that, that is a self-consciousness right. level that I hadn't factored in. I, I really only thought, was I physically able to do these things? Yeah, I'm willing to do some really silly or stupid shit or, or put myself in weird positions. There are a lot of things I'm willing to do to win because what does it cost you in the moment? But it's a whole other factor if you start thinking about or get hung up on the fact that I'm willing to win, but I don't know that I'm willing to win for millions of people to be able to see this at any given time in the future. Yeah. Like one time, like 
they don't run reruns of The Amazing Race. You can watch it streaming now, but like on CBS, it's not like they're rerunning a season where you're going to, you know, you could count on being seen. But now with all the seasons being able to stream at all the times. Yeah, it's out there, man. (laughs) It's out there forever. It's a whole other aspect to the game that these people probably didn't think about when they were going on years ago. Uh, One thing I got to say that I was sad about from the panel was that there was no news on when season 33 would resume filming. I thought for sure having a 20th anniversary panel here, we would have some nugget of information. I don't know. Were you, were you bummed about that? The only little nugget we got was Phil said he already had planned his opening line was going to be before I was rudely interrupted. And that's how he was going to start the remainder of the race here. So super funny. But no, we got no no date or time of when this is coming back. And, you know, everyone can understand because even though, you know, things might be in you know, okay here in America, this is a worldwide race. And especially some of the areas that they get into, they're not necessarily on the same. uh... There's not necessarily an international standard for dealing with COVID. And, and, you know, people forget season 33 had actually started to film. I think they were in the middle of their first or second leg. So when they pick up, I think probably whatever the rules of the game are, they probably have to at least give these people an opportunity to rejoin the game. So it's not even like they can restart maybe and just do like a U.S., I can't imagine this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, think about it. I mean, think about how much uh, we talked about this so much when it comes to things like the Olympics, if they were going to postpone them more or do anything and how you just have a season for certain things like your body, your mind, you know, maybe you're a student in between and you can do it this summer. But when you fast forward 18 months like COVID's making everyone or even longer than that. You may not be, you may, you may not be in the same shape. You may not be in the same mental mindset, you know, all the little things that made you ready for it. It, it would be a lot to head back. I was thinking about the Broadway stars when they said, oh, by the way, we're going to head back like sooner than you thought. And I, I was like, I would so be the one who's thinking, I I have like eight months to get back in shape. I have six months to get back in shape. And then they kind of said it like much quicker. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm on the treadmill. Don't talk to me. <laughs> well, I mean, think about the Olympics is a great example because we're going through it right now with the trials setting the team for Olympics yeah. for Tokyo next month. Last year, when the Olympics were supposed to prepare, all those athletes had spent the winter and spring getting ready to make the team. Yeah. And it's all planned out like years in advance, like the levels right. of your training because it's like tiered. So you're peaking at the right moment, right? Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. How do you how do you backslide and stuff? I mean, some of these people may have had babies and, you know, so much stuff could have happened in the yeah. meantime. Well, I just saw, I think, the, the current record holder, and just the timestamp when we're recording this, the current record holder in the 800-meter hurdles, he's like the world record holder failed to make the olympic team oh gosh yeah a year ago he was probably ryan primed and ready to go right you, know? but you gotta kick yeah. off that you gotta you gotta kick off all that rust and and so the same thing with and especially a show like the amazing race the world is waiting yeah. i mean it's a logistical nightmare making the show if you've ever watched any of the behind the scenes or listened to phil talker and listen to any of the contestants talk they all give so much praise to Phil and the executive producers and the camera teams, the stuff you don't see, the logistical hurdles that they're going through and hoops that they're going through to make it such a seamless show for us to consume. All of that gearing up in the best of circumstances is probably difficult. So gearing up again. That being said, I still wish we had had some information. (laughs) Though he did seem committed to it, though. He said it's happening. 
So yeah, for sure, and I, I think it will definitely be back. I I was surprised when Phil said that there was actually a time when he was detained, you know, with his passport and all that stuff because he has a New Zealand passport and right. just all the things that the production side has to continue to go through. Even so many seasons in, you'd think it would be like totally seamless, but no. What do you think about the edit portion when they were talking with Phil and saying, you know, bad edits? What did you think about his little therapy moment? Well, I was annoyed because it was one of the questions we were going to ask Amy and Maya that we then had to scratch <laughs> because we interviewed them literally right after the panel aired. And But I was happy that they asked the question because it's something that we talk about a lot. Phil gave a great answer. He said, we can only edit what people give us. So if we catch you screaming at someone or being rude to someone or being some other kind of unpleasant jerk to someone and you're unhappy with that, well, maybe you are really unhappy with who you are as a person. Uh, <laughs> Phil was on fire. He was he, he was, was he was like a therapist who was not taking anyone's bullshit. <laughs> like very yeah. funny, very quippy, but also calling it as it is. Well, and you have to remember that Phil is also an executive producer. So he sat back and had to like listen to them be like, oh, these were so traumatic moments. Oh, I was so embarrassed. Oh, I didn't like my edit or whatever. And he sat back. He was so just like waiting his moment. And then he's like, well, maybe it was the way you acted. Right. And it was like, right. <laughs> like right. he just like chilled out totally. That was amazing. Yeah, he's like, maybe maybe you need to look at who you are as a person. I was like, damn, <laughs> Phil! I know, I, I know. I gotta tell you, my favorite part was just, and it was a total visual thing, Phil is zooming from, it looked like his kitchen, because there were there were countertops, There was, it looked like an oven range on like an island behind him. But Caroline, there was a bike hanging from the ceiling in the shot. He's an adventurer. That's, this is Phil, man. He I could know. just need to go for a ride. Just right. He's making breakfast. And he's like, I got to go for a ride. He's got to grab his bike and head out. It's just his ways. My <laughs> eggs are going to take X minutes. I can go get a couple <laughs> miles into my bike. So it's just the way he is. Yeah. 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 If you guys get a chance to watch this panel on rerun or watch it on YouTube somewhere, or if you get a chance to watch Phil speak somewhere, Man, that was my biggest takeaway. I want to listen to this guy give speeches about things or inspirational videos or get off your ass and go do it. Phil would make me exercise. I would listen to Phil <laughs> if he was like, stop being a fat bastard and go exercise. I'd be like, okay, Phil, I'll go grab my bike from my kitchen and I'll go ride. Uh, yeah, I really, that was my favorite takeaway. But uh, Mike, let's get into our interview with Amy and Maya. For sure. It's coming up right now. cities and more than 26,000 miles you have won the one million dollars and are the official winners of the amazing race doesn't it just give you chills guys <laughs> every, every time, time. Yep. every time <laughs> uh guys welcome back to pod clubhouse press pass podcast caroline and i being big fans of the amazing race uh we were super psyched to be able to interview the sweet scientist so we're pleased to welcome dr amy DeJong and dr maya warren winners of season 25 of the amazing race to today's edition of press pass podcast amy and maya thank you guys so much for joining us how are you doing thank, thank you thank you thank you uh we're good warm it's it's warm all over the country, but we're good. <laughs> we watched the panel a little while ago, and Amy, you mentioned that when you were feeling stressed, or especially when you were finishing your PhD, that you would watch the last few minutes of your season just to kind of remind yourself what you could do. Does it ever get old listening to Phil tell you you've won a million dollars and have won the Amazing Race? Does it ever, ever get old? It, it definitely does not. And honestly, it still is surreal after now all these years later and watching that clip how many times is just... 
I mean, it's more than a dream come true, right? It just was such a wild and crazy experience. I'm still speechless, honestly, to this day, seven years, almost exactly seven years later. Oh, wow. Well, that's very fortuitous, huh? That's crazy. Yes. A couple more days, actually. Yeah. Wow. You go back and revisit that moment a lot. Is, Is that like live in your head for inspiration ever? I did revisit the moment a lot when I was in, when I was finishing up graduate school as well. So the year after we, we finished, I finished graduate school. So in order to get through like that last tranche of get the work done, get writing done, I would have Amazing Race playing in the background often <laughs> uh, as I was doing ice cream research, just for some inspiration. Cause it was, it was, it was tough coming back. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I only had a year left, so I couldn't imagine with, with Amy, um, you know, how, how she made it through like a, a you know, having the race as a way to be able to get through definitely, definitely helps. But, you know, I, I will still watch it uh, from time to time. And it gives me chills every single time. I just remember having a, an idea and talking to Amy in the lab. And we took it that idea to literally live it out. And we're still inspiring people every single day. So it's really, really, really awesome. We are so happy that ATX brought together this reunion panel. How was it for you guys to see Phil again and to see the other racers and get to relive a little bit of maybe even races you guys watched? It was great. It was so cool to be able to see, especially Robin Brandon from season one. I mean, it's, it's so long ago. Um, and being able to come all the way, you know, sort of full circle, I guess it's 20 years later and being able to connect with Phil. Phil is tried and true. He is Phil and he's always the same. And it's so great that he's able to, you know, meet all of these individuals and teams through all of these years. And yet he's still the same person, um, but yet has a different connection with all of us. So it was really great to see the teams. And we hadn't met everyone either, um, had never met Victor and Tammy. um, And so it was really great to be able to meet them because we definitely watched their season and learned a lot from them before we, before we raced. Yeah, I I would completely agree. I mean, especially just hearing about that very first season. I mean, they didn't, like Robin Brendan didn't have anything to go off of. I mean, we had past seasons to watch and kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into, but it was really cool to hear from them and just kind of hear, you know, all this change and everything. Do you guys keep up with any of your racers from from either your season or from other seasons? Yes, actually. Um, so Amy and I just did a racers recap. Uh, Justin from, from the green team uh, from season 26. 20- Seven, I think. Amy, am I right on that? Yeah, season? yeah. I think it's um, yes. Uh, so Justin and Diana. Justin does a, a, a podcast on Sundays uh, called Racers Recap, and Amy and I just finished recapping our season, so season twenty-five with Justin, as well as Joey from season twenty-nine. And so it was really fun to relive our season, connect, reconnect with people from our season that we maybe hadn't talked to in a little bit, um, as well as you know connect with other racers as as we did that. Definitely still stay connected as much as we can. I, I actually live in LA uh, where there are a lot of racers. So I've connected with people from my, from our season as well as other seasons just because we're, we, a lot of us live in LA. So it's pretty, pretty fun. I mean, same. So Maya and I were recapping our season, which was a lot of fun. But I also recently learned that Jordan from season uh, 16, maybe him and his brother won won their season and i just learned that he lived in chicago so now that chicago is starting to open up and stuff post-pandemic i'm hoping to to connect with them but it is a really fun family i mean it's people that probably wouldn't have met or interacted with without the race just as fun to meet so many different people with so many different life stories so many different professions um so it's definitely been a, a cool community to be part of 
Yeah, and like all different experiences on the race as well. Like, ev- like everyone's race experience is different. I mean, Amy and I, as as we know, we we're the, we were the underdogs. Not sort of, we were the underdogs. And then there's people, you know, that that dominated the whole race. But we all had different race strategies um, in, in ways as well. And so it's really cool to connect and just kind of just be able to talk race because it's it's just this thrill that that living it again, sort of, you know, watch being able to watch it on on television is is a way in which we can hold on to it forever. And you think you know the people but then when you meet them you're like oh my gosh that really is the person um and so it's, it's pretty it's really really fun it was kind of refreshing to hear you say actually during the panel about how the show pretty much caught you guys pretty accurately or, you know at least as far as yeah. you think because you know <laughs> phil, phil made an interesting point that you know people who complain about their edit maybe you know need to think about how they actually feel about themselves he's doing a little therapy from <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. from his kitchen i remember that <laughs> uh you know but you got you guys did you know you came across as really just sweet and and with the right attitude and you know you just kind of stuck there you, you hung until you needed to move forward and in the end it was the brains over the brawn that that was able to win it for you Ah, so you've put it you've put it so eloquently um and i love the way you threw in sweet because we are the sweet scientists um (laughs) researching candy and ice cream but yes i mean i think you know for both amy and myself we got a really accurate edit like i tend to be kind of a little crazy and, and over the top and just kind of going forward before I sometimes think, especially with the race. I was just so excited all the time and amy's you know way more you know calm and like maya think look don't just run off. Although we still got lost all the time. <laughs> but, but Amy, but I think, Amy, I mean, Amy, wouldn't you say that it's pretty accurate in terms of like who we are, our personalities and our dynamic together? Yeah, I would agree. I think the only thing that maybe it, it's hard to see and it's really hard to capture in the show is all of the like strategy and stuff that were like why we were doing mm-hmm. certain things and some of the subtle things that we do we did to get an advantage. I don't think that that necessarily came through unless you're really paying attention. But as far as like our personalities and how we are, I think that that definitely came through. Maya is absolutely the more outgoing one. I think that's why we work well together is I'm a little bit more like even keeled and Maya is all over the place. I think there's like pros to both types of personalities, especially when it comes to running the race. And I think I think that's why we were so successful. Like if we were both even keeled like me, we probably wouldn't have done as well. And if we were both like Maya, I don't think we would have either. We probably wouldn't have gotten past like leg one. <laughs> With me. Being season 25 on the show, it occurs to me that you guys had the advantage of watching 24 seasons come before you. Did Was it a conversation you had when you were getting ready to go on the show and do the race? Listen, we have to keep our cool. You know, we can't berate each other. We're, we're not going to be like season five, Colin, you know, like we're, we're not going to, oh. you know, you know, we're not going to lose it constantly. It, was that a conversation you had or is it? it was just it's who you are so you didn't really need to talk about it oh absolutely i mean we talked about so many things before the race and we did a lot of like things to prepare and one of them was just kind of talking through how we were going to race or what we would do if we ran into conflict i mean we both pretty quickly were like arguing about something isn't going to help us be successful um so it's just like how do we bounce back from something not going well um, the other thing for us is that we both were graduate students at the time, ready to launch into professional careers. So, like, we didn't want to be perceived poorly on TV either as, like, crazy people who couldn't work together and all these kinds of things. I mean, it just, it, it, it wouldn't have been good for either of us. So we definitely did talk about how to, to, how to problem solve, how we were going to manage conflict between us. I could see the headline now, Sweet Scientist Turned Sour. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and actually, 
it's really it's really funny um so on uh leg two when we're doing we're, we're punting i think we're in oxford um and we have you know we're in those uh, massive um boats with the long 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 punts and amy and i actually argued that that whole kind of um going going around that uh, canal that we were kind of in and we were arguing about you know the best way to do it and who should do it and you know are we at the right part of the boat or what you know all this kind of stuff so we were arguing 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 we were so mad at ourselves because we just wasn't efficient and so we vowed to each other and to ourselves that we were never going to do that again and we did not argue for the rest of the race and i think that that really helped us we got it out of our systems we learned from it learned that it did not help us at all um, because we're all human and we all have emotions but you know i did a lot of the driving and um i got you know i made wrong turns if amy was like do this and i like made a wrong turn or whatever it's like we weren't going to get mad at each other we were just going to you know keep positive and and keep you know encouraging each other to to be able to get through so um arguing on the race does not help it makes for good tv if they catch it but it does not <laughs> make for a good race <laughs> Uh, before we really dive deep into your time on The Amazing Race, which we're going to do, so prepare yourselves, uh, we, we both, we, we were really curious how your PhDs worked out. Are you guys working in food science? It was such a an eye-opening occupation. It, you, you two were, you know, these female scientists in food and candy and in ice cream and really had never, no one had seen that before. You kind of put it on the map, it feels like, in a lot of ways. So I'm curious, after the show, like, what did you guys end up doing with your PhDs? Since getting my PhD, I have been working in the field of ice cream. Um, I am literally obsessed with ice cream. I don't like to say that I have a job or a career so much. I just have a lifestyle, and it revolves around ice cream. So anything and everything I do, uh, wow. pretty much is ice cream. I eat it almost every single day. It is a true obsession. Since going on the Amazing Race, or since graduating from graduate school, which was, you know, like I said, a year after the race, I started off working as the uh, head of R&D our senior director of research and development for Cold Stone Creamery. And I used to travel the world and make ice cream, um, which was super, super, super fun. And now um, I'm working for a startup ice cream company out in LA that is launching very, 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 very soon um, and cannot wait to be able to scream it out to the world, uh, the, the brand and all of that once we're able to launch. So yeah, but still doing ice cream and trying my best to inspire uh, people with every single scoop and, you know, inspire people to think outside the box because I didn't invent ice cream. I just look at it through a different lens. And I hope that, you know, Amy and I can continue to inspire people uh, with, you know, our, our, our routes in, in terms of our careers or our lifestyles. How about you, Amy? I, you, you, you were at the earlier in your PhD career than Maya was when you guys went on the race. So tell us, fill in the blanks after the show for you. Yes. Yeah. So I was actually a first year graduate student when Maya and I tried to, when we first auditioned for the show. So I had the vast majority of my PhD still ahead of me. So I spent the next couple of years um, in graduate school doing my research. And then just over three years ago, I, I, I did finish. And now I work for Mars Wrigley. So I make like Skittles, M&M's, Snickers. Um, so I actually am now working full time as a candy scientist. Oh my goodness. Mike, these so might be the best now. jobs I've ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> okay. First, yep. where's, where, so we, we both actually make candy and ice cream. Like we are, have full time yes, jobs like, we in are candy real. and ice cream. Yes. 
No, I want to know why they were not at like career day when I was in high school. Like, what in the world? I would love to have known about this. Maya and I are going to start a podcast called The Lifestyle, but it's yes. going to be how oh. we eat ice cream every goddamn day. Yeah, it is awesome. going to be yes. amazing. I didn't realize I could call that a lifestyle. Well, I, I I've been living that lifestyle for years. Yes. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, I Mike, you it. have found her. Oh, oh my, my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. People love ice cream. And so every time I tell people on planes or whatever, you know, I'm an ice people ask, you know, oh, what do you do? And I usually just sort of take a breath because I know it's going to be a reaction. I say, oh, I'm an ice cream scientist. And people are like, what? Like a double take, <laughs> like, excuse me. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's a real thing. And I explain to them kind of like what I do and all of that. And I, then I then talk about, say, I have friends that are candy scientists that do X, Y, and Z. And they're just like, wow. And it's just so amazing because people don't think about that as a science or don't even think about that in terms of that's like food science. Someone has to make the product. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just it's just unbelievable that that we don't know a ton of people that are that are like us. But you know, in other ways, it's really really awesome. I mean, I know Amy has interviewed you know people that watched The Amazing Race that got into food science because they saw us on The Amazing Race. Like it's just so cool how it's continued to inspire people, and that even though we didn't do a single thing really in the world of food science on the race just the titles alone ice cream scientists candy scientists really inspired people and i think like so much of our life after the race was because of us being food scientists like the amazing race piece was how people first heard about us um but when we came back we spoke at science fairs we were science fair judges for one of the either oh. middle yeah, so awesome. <laughs> um, and just i mean so there are so many things that there's so much excitement about but what we did as scientists and that's been really really fun to kind of elevate that and just show people what types of fun things you can do in a STEM career. So Amy, when you have to explain what a candy scientist does, like if you could give it in a couple sentences, what is a candy scientist? Because I mean, people think, well, like scientists discover things. So like we have discovered candy, but like what, how do you explain it to especially kids at a science fair? Well, so I mean, candy science and honestly, even food science, like there's, there's a lot that you need to know and understand when you go from making something that you'd make in your kitchen. So either like what you're preparing for dinner, or let's say you're making homemade candy and to take it from that scale to making like thousands of tons. I mean, you have to know exactly how you're cooking something, how hot it needs to get, what else you need to control, how you're moving candy from one area to the other, how you're putting it in packaging, how it's getting to the store, what happens if it's sitting on a hot truck. Like we've all left candy in our cars and it melts and then sticks to the packaging. And that's not how you'd want to buy anything fresh. So there's all kinds of things that you need to know and understand so that you can make sure that things get safely from like how they're growing in the ground to like something that you're eating. That's amazing. And you're so right. Like I never thought about that, but like obviously the science of it determines how we end up getting it at the end of the line. And we and we would all be complaining if it wasn't right. But who would we complain to? We wouldn't know this. The scientists. <laughs> and so we need to talk to, right? Yeah. I mean, some of those complaints land back on our desks, right? I bet they must. I bet they must. Yeah. But also also having the consistency is key too. If you're gonna eat a piece of candy and you had that candy when you were five years old and you're like, Oh, like I love that candy and it's my favorite candy. And you had that candy, you know, 15 years later, you kind of want the candy to say to taste the same. So even though ingredients might change a little yeah. bit, it's the consistency as well. And, and 
that's food scientists, you know, have a huge hand in that um, to make sure that you that your product is what it is. Nothing is worse than thinking you got this nostalgic piece of candy and you tasted it and they've changed the formula and you're like, yes. oh my God, no. they have ruined this. <laughs> we are creatures of habit. Oh my gosh. We are That's creatures funny. of habit indeed. Purple is always tastes like grape. Yellow always tastes like lemon. Blue tastes like blue. Why? It doesn't taste like blueberry. It's just blue flavored. That's a thing. I, I, I've said it. I have a son. I am a 43 year old man. I say, uh, you know, that thing. It's the blue flavored one. What is blue and why does it taste it? It's blue flavor. What is that about? Explain it to me. Blue can be so many things. Like blue is like, like if you're in the Midwest, blue is like blue moon. It may be cotton candy. Blue could also be like a blue raspberry. It just sort of depends. And if in the ice cream world, blue is sometimes, you know, cookie monster ice cream. So it, and which actually doesn't have a flavor on it typically. Um, it's just with uh, Oreos and, and like chocolate chip cookies with like a sweet cream kind of ice cream or vanilla. But yeah, it's it's we eat with our eyes. I always I always tell people um, we eat with our eyes first. When it comes to you know like like you said your 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 kid you know loves loves the blue or loves the colors. It's a there's a reason why the cotton candy ice cream or the you know blue moon ice cream is not just white. We it's it, you eat with your eyes first, so you're gonna be drawn more to it if you like colors. Um, but it's the same thing when you you know go to a fine dining restaurant and your plate of food looks amazing, or you're like. Hmm, this plate of food doesn't look so great. Like, like you already have a mindset of how you think it's going to be perceived because of the color or because of how it looks. And even on the, the color, you can always do that experiment where you have like orange candy yeah. that's purple in color and then you taste it and because it's purple, you're thinking it's great and you still don't really, it takes a while for you to figure out that it's actually orange flavor. So what, the demos that we like to do with at like science fairs and things where we'll have flavors that don't necessarily match up with their color and see if people can, can figure it out. And just to kind of illustrate exactly what Maya said, I mean, you eat with your eyes too. It's such a multi-sensorial experience. It's like if you see something written, written red, but it says blue, you may yeah. say, yep. you know, it says you know, blue instead of red or whatever it is. You know, you may say the opposite of what it is because you may may say red. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We're all like the answer was red, Mike. I know. My brain doesn't get fooled. I still say it's blue. So We're all like, oh, Mike. The answer is always blue. Oh I'm sorry. Gosh. I'm sitting here with my Carvel ice cream cake. I've lost the thread of the conversation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. The crunchies in the middle has gotten me all, all for cuts to over here. So. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to ask, do you feel like the, the, the skills that you guys have as food scientists, did it come in handy during the race? Do you feel like it affected anything? In the science world, you're constantly making mistakes. I mean, what what we're doing is... We're, we're making a guess at how something would is how something works and trying to figure out ways to like either prove that to be true or not. Things go wrong all the time. Things break. It's always a mess until eventually you have a breakthrough. And I think on the race, everything was always going wrong in our careers. You can't get flustered easily and have a happy life as a scientist. So that I think helped us tremendously on the race. Agree. Agree. And I would say, you know, us being definitely having patience because, and being flexible um, because things just aren't going to go right. And I would say that people kind of, you know, like we never really got upset at stuff. We just kind of, you know, had fun. And 
you know, I think that that's sort of part of what science is as well, is that you have to enjoy as long as it can take to get experiments done, and it can take a very long time. You sort of kind of need to enjoy it in order to be able to, you know, help yourself get get through it. And so, especially on the last leg, on the last task, where Amy was in the uh, shipping crate uh, yard, you know, doing that final task, you know, us being, you know, students still and studying so diligently and, you know, making sure that we had all of our I's and all of our T's crossed from all the mistakes that we had previously made that really came in handy. When we were in Los Angeles and we, you know, knew that we were going to be in a place where we could find people with cell phones, we learned from our mistakes from getting lost the first time. We never got lost at that whole entire, that whole entire last leg. And that I think is attributed to the fact that we had to make sure we learned from our mistakes. The same thing in, in we're doing experiments. We have to make sure we learn from the, from what did not work so that we can make sure, you know, moving forward, we're not making those same things. We're not doing those same things again. That's not going to work. You can only blow up the lab so many times before. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, you can only butter ice cream so many times. You can only, you know, you shut your mouth, Maya. That's not true. <laughs> you can, you can butter ice cream forever. <laughs> It Believe only gets me, better. I've ice cream a multitude of times. So you can do it over and over again. And then it's like, all right. So you know, only so many times you're going you're gonna to make it happen. So. I will not stand here and have ice cream be besmirched. I won't, I won't allow it. <laughs> uh, when you guys think back on the race, what, what stands out to you as maybe the most unexpected aspect of the race in your experience? Probably one of the most unexpected things that happened to us while racing was in leg 11 when Phil told us that four teams were going to the finish line. I think oh. we in a complete state of shock when that happened. Usually there's a keep on racing leg, but it's it's never been leg 11. So that was something that I did not see coming. The other thing, the, the behind the scenes thing was just all that goes into making the show. I mean, all of the crew, the camera guys, the sound guys, like how well organized they are and how like they're amazing professionals. I still like am in complete awe of the work they do. So I think, you know, the thing that happened like in front of the camera on the race was that leg 11 keep on racing. And then definitely I just am amazed by, by the crew. Were you guys like looking at like plane schedules, like figuring it out when you were coming to the end of leg 11? When you guys got to the mat, were you, were, were you already like, we're going home and it's done? Or were you, you know, holding out some hope? Well, I was almost like passed I thought we were yeah, done. So Amy, I... <laughs> yeah, Amy almost passed out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I thought I thought we were done. I mean, I, I basically started crying. I, I thought we were done. Um, and I knew, you know, once we left that, the last challenge, and I, well, once we were at the last challenge and all other teams had left, I just assumed, okay, this is it. I'm going to encourage Amy to finish strong. But I knew she was in pain. I knew it was so hot. Um, and she was, you know, getting really dehydrated. And it was just a really, really, really tough time. Um, but I honestly thought we were finished. And so the reaction of, you know, Amy being in shock and, and barely, barely able to stand because she literally just was about to pass out and me literally like flinging my arms and falling on the ground was a such true reaction for who we are. Right. I, we literally could not, could not believe it could not believe it. And because of that, it is so incredibly, um, it's just, it's just an amazing time to be able to, for that, for that to happen, um, because we never came in last any other time. Um, but it definitely, you know, was a positive for us. I mean, you so. guys swung from last to first, what a, what a time for both of those two things to happen in that order. <laughs> you know, I would have taken mm -hmm. fourth to first mm -hmm. instead of first to fourth for sure. 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Did you have an unexpected aspect uh, different from Amy's or was it the same? Yes. You know, so unexpected aspect of the race is probably, I didn't think that people were going to underestimate us as much as they did because we knew that we were a strong team and we knew that mentally, like physically, we may not have been as strong as some other teams, but mentally, and we saw the race more mental than physical anyway. So we were just, I definitely surprised and expected that people underestimated us the way the way that they did but super unexpected as well uh, as, as amy said that the the crew the the team the how much is done to put it together but also you know bertram and elise being on the on on there with us and you know video videoing us you know as we're as we're doing the race or filming us i should say as we're doing the race and so just how intricately you know designed it is it is truly an art uh to be able to pull off the amazing race and yeah i was just super surprised that people underestimated us the way they did but you know oh well but people didn't think we were really scientists i am so curious because during the panel you guys said that you actually studied the other women teams and you actually tried to figure out mistakes that they made and you weren't going to make the same and i'm so curious what your research showed you about what differences in the teams so one of the things so we watched the seasons 17 and 18 a lot so those are the seasons that nat and kat and keisha and jen won just to figure out how did some of the first all-female teams actually win? Like, how were they successful? Like, we're, we knew we weren't going to come in and, like, win a muscle challenge, right? Like, we had to be, we had to race smarter um, so that we wouldn't end up in situations where, like, like so for example, when there were detours, we wouldn't necessarily pick the ones that were, like, all brawn. We would pick the ones that we thought we had an advantage to. So it was, it was that, like, picking challenges that set us up for success. And then also just, like, really being a team like we we knew we'd have to work together yeah i mean when when preparing for the race and you know sort of trying to study you know why were there only you know at that time two other female female teams that had won and you know knowing that you know one team was you know super you know high in athletic another team was sort of you know not sort of very you know high on the academic range as well and, and knowing that, you know, a lot of teams, you know, in different, you know, depending upon where you, where, where you, where you are, you know, sometimes women can sort of not be looked at positively if you're super aggressive. And so we had to kind of navigate and figure out, you know, what are ways in which we can navigate this, not knowing who we would come in contact with, but if we had to, sometimes when people aren't as aggressive, I remember this past season, was it the past season of uh, the sisters, um, I don't remember their names, uh, Haley and Caitlin and Haley. There we go. Um, I remember them like just sitting in the taxis and being like, oh my gosh, like I just wish they could get out the taxi. Like, you know, maybe, they didn't, maybe, and I think later on we found out like why, but it's kind of like those things of, you know, sometimes females may not be as like outright, like stand up and, and be aggressive, not aggressive, but just kind of stand up more um, and be more dominant the way that, that men can, uh, or that men t- sometimes are. But overall, you know, I would say that watching the race uh, definitely helped us prepare for anything and everything we thought could could actually happen and then we didn't always react properly but it is what it is I like that you guys talked about how it, it, since your time in the race, you've had uh, especially young people, especially girls or, and, and young women come up to you and, and talk about you guys being an inspiration, not only for food science, but just being a female, female team and uh, overcoming the underestimation that the other teams, you know, put on you guys. When you look back, what did you learn most about yourselves from your time on the race? Ooh, good question. Learn Thank most you. about ourselves. 
Um, yes, <laughs> good question, Mike. You, you mean you mean like us individual, or like, or like what I learned most about either Andy, both? Or like yes, about- mm-hmm. uh, individual. I mean individually. I mean obviously you, your friendship has endured too. Uh, but I, I, yeah. I think I'm curious individually too. I mean because you were both at interesting yeah. points in your lives, you know, professionally and stuff. So yes, you know, I think um, what I've learned, what I learned probably most, you know, if you have a dream, if you have a desire, like don't let anyone say that you can't go for it because we literally (laughs) tried out for the amazing race at an open casting call. And the chances of getting on the race from an open casting call are pretty slim typically. And so to be able to have this desire, have this dream, have this vision of like going on the amazing race and actually being able to live that out. It's probably kind of one of the things that I still take with me to this day of that, just that, that grit, that desire to be able to achieve and knowing, you know, when people, people will count you out, but never count yourself out. I mean, we are true, literally walking, running, um, you know, amazing race winners sort of testimony of that because people did not think we would win. We were such the underdogs. I remember the, the executive producers asking us, Maya and Amy, or Amy and Maya, I should say, do you all really think you're going to win? <laughs> we were like, yeah. Why? Like, why really? <laughs> Jeez. Some on the scale. They had to ask questions. Like, I mean, they, they literally asked everyone those questions, uh, but they had to ask us that because, you know, they want to get our reactions, but also asking us that versus asking like Jim and Misty that, you're going to get very different reactions right. or they would assume so, you know what I mean? But no, we were very confident the whole time. Like, yes, we are going to win. We can do this. Uh, just because you don't see us physically as strong, there's so much mental that has to come in play. There's so much of that that feels like. Uh, do you do you like what you're doing there with your hair? Is, does that you think that's a good call that you're doing? Oh, like it feels a lot like that. You're like, I don't know what's wrong with my hair. Right? Yeah. How about, how about you, Amy? What do you think? What did What did you take away about yourself from the race? I've always been a pretty like risk averse person, and like always like like really thought about lots of things in like great detail before I did it. But the amazing race was just something that was kind of like on a whim one day at work and we just auditioned and all of a sudden we were on the show. So I think for me, it was something that really was very far outside of my comfort zone. And I think the thing that I've been able to continue with from, from the race is just like, I can do things like that. I can do wild and crazy things that are super outside my comfort zone, take lots of risks and be successful in those types of environments. So I think it's made me, less risk averse and more willing to just like do things and try things, even if they sound crazy. It was never something that I saw myself doing. So I think having that with me can like throughout the rest of my life can only open up new possibilities. So I think I'm more open to trying new things and just doing things, even if they initially sound, sound crazy. So for the audition process, do you have any tips and tricks or anything? Since you guys just went to an open casting, which you said is like very rare. How did you guys get the attention of the producers to, to get cast? So I think the first thing, honestly, for us was that we just have really unique jobs. I think they, they, I, I can't, they don't meet a candy or ice cream scientist every day. So the first thing they had to call and make sure that like those were real jobs, like we were real people that actually existed. <laughs> um, but I think the other piece of advice is just have fun with it and be yourself. One of the things that the producers look for is, is what your personality will be like on the show. And so if it seems overly scripted or overly rehearsed, or like you're reading, reading lines and they can't really tell your personality, I don't think that's what they're looking for. So have fun, be yourself and kind of think through what makes you unique as a team. I mean, they hear all the time from people who just want to go on the race or why people are going to win the race. And I think 
they see similar videos all the time. So do something that's going to make your personality stand out. And I'm not saying do some sort of crazy stunt or skit or stuff like that, but um, really let your personality shine through. Maya, you agree? Yes, I agree. I mean, I think it's so important to, you know, allow the the camera to, to, the, you know, to figure to learn who you are in a very brief uh, period of time, whether it's an open call, which is like a one minute interview, or if it's, you know, a four minute video that, that you submit, you know, they, they really want to know who you are and the dynamic between the team. And so when Amy and I did our open call, we wrote a little, a little skit, I guess, um, not a skit. It was like, a, it was like a little script that we had, but we like, you know, rehearsed it and all of that. We were definitely just true to ourselves. And, you know, we were really creative with it to make sure that we pointed out differences within our dynamics and sort of big a little bit, but also encourage each other and had fun with it and, you know, sort of played up this like stereotypical scientist role and then, you know, kind of came out of our, our lab coats and goggles and we're like, you know, in these like really, really fun dresses and it's really showing your personality is, is really important and not trying too hard um, because they can see right through the fact that if you try too hard, um, number one, tr- if you want to try out, try out. Cause if you, if you never try out, you'll never, you never don't have a chance of getting on. <laughs> Good but call, right? Say, like I've always wanted to try out but it's like yeah but you gotta try out so you know that's definitely (laughs) number one try please try out if you really do want to try out because the race literally there's a reason why it's called the amazing race and honestly i love the name but it's even beyond amazing it's literally a dream of a lifetime that's awesome i know our listeners are going to wonder should we expect to see you guys on a future edition of all stars That's a dream. That's a dream. That's a dream. They invite us back, but winners don't normally get invited back, unfortunately. But hey, if we get a call, that would be amazing, right? You could do it without an injured hip. Come on, Amy. This could be it. (laughs) Can you even imagine? Significantly more fun not being in excruciating pain the entire time. I I do have to. What was one thing, if you had to name one thing each of preparation that you did that you think actually really paid off, whether like study, I don't know, studying a map or like geography. And if you had to do again, if they did call you to come back for all stars, what's one thing you think you'd add to your preparation to go on the show again? Um, one of the things that we did that I think, that, so one, you have to be in like decent physical shape. I would definitely change not working out quite as much as we did because it resulted in me cracking my hip. But I would say like being okay physical shape um but then the other thing that we did that really helped us is we just tried completely random things like we put ourselves in weird situations and went and learned things together Um, so we were like having to kind of work through that so we tried to teach ourselves ballroom dancing in my living room once and we like (laughs) had to lead we went rock climbing we uh, would play like weird little mind games like i forgot what the minute to win it whatever that show is to win it yeah yeah. going into situations with your teammate and doing things that are unfamiliar to either of you and kind of seeing how you work through them i think that definitely helped us and helped our team dynamic going into it because you're constantly in situations where you're doing something that you have no idea what you're doing um like i i don't like punting i've never gone punting before I, or like so we just just did lots of random things together um and i think that helped us a lot how about Agree. you Maya? and I, I would yeah i would say you know 
don't just watch previous seasons, study previous seasons. There's a huge difference, huge difference. If you're enjoying it, watching it versus studying it. So study, learn, take notes, um, you know, watch it again. If you, if you think you missed something or you didn't understand like why they may have done what they did and listen to the interviews, like, like really study the seasons. And that's what Amy and I did. We would spend a lot, a lot, a lot of evenings of studying the race. And I remember when we had gotten our vaccinations, um, I remember Amy was like, we did not get yellow fever vaccine. So we knew we were not going to any country that you had to have yellow fever vaccine. So we were able to sort of eliminate some countries that we knew we weren't going to go to. Um, So there's just little things like that that you have to pay attention to as you are preparing for the race. I would never pack as much as I packed. (laughs) I packed way too much. I was like, I'm going to need all this stuff. I would never do that again, but I would all, I would definitely still pack we brought three pairs of shoes right amy three pairs of yep. shoes i would still bring three pairs of shoes because the shoes if you don't have shoes you, you you can't run the race as effectively and efficiently so i would still bring a lot of shoes but i would not bring as many clothing as many clothing options as i as i did mike's like making a list too many clothes. <laughs> too, yeah too many too many too many clothes it was it wasn't it was like oh like who cares? Like who cares what you look like after like one anymore? Like literally, who cares? But didn't know like oh we're gonna have all this downtime. No, we had like a little bit of downtime, but we were exhausted most of the downtime. And you know I would probably bring a couple more like you know protein bars or something like that with me instead of more clothes because you don't always know when your next meal is gonna be coming from, and you definitely want to be able to stay you know as you know get as much you know intake substance wise as you possibly can. Get those pickle juice packets out. <laughs> Uh, just a call back to before we started recording, being the minimalist that I've become clothing wise, it's not an option. <laughs> M- most of my, most of my bag would be snacks. It would be Skittles in, in several different varieties. So. But you know, you know, you know what a lot of, what like uh, Hung and Chi did on this last season, they, they only brought one bag. So brilliant because bags do slow you down. They do, they can weigh you down. It's harder to run with them. So, you know, as minimal as you can get, you know, the better, but there are some things like we brought binoculars, like, I think maybe we only brought one pair of those. Of course, because we were talking about like what each one is, what we're packing. I don't think we ever used binoculars. Did we, Amy? I don't think so. I don't think so, but you never know what you're going to need. So it's kind of like. You know, do you bring it or do you not? We'll definitely reevaluate. I remember bringing like, like going to like one of the like sporting goods shops and getting like, like camping gear shops and getting, you know, like little sheets of soap to like wash clothes. I wouldn't ever do that again. I don't, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Turned out you didn't care. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know, you just don't. It's not smell-o-vision. No, it's not. You eventually shower after a couple of days of herding sheep and you just kind of stink for a couple of days. It just is what it is, but (laughs) you just kind of get used to it. Contractually, Phil has to talk to you on the mat one way or another, so it doesn't really matter what you smell like. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, a pastime Caroline and I have when we watch is we love watching the teams fling in anger their packs down as they approach the mat <laughs> because it, it's like it's like they've been fighting with their pack all day and as they approach the finish they they fling them down. It's always fun to watch. <laughs> it's heavy. So that's uh, super funny. I, I I I hope this doesn't come off as crass, but I've got to know, and I know other people are are wondering out there too. What did you guys do with the prize money? People ask for sure. Um, I when I graduated, I bought I bought a car. 
because I wanted a new car and I invested it. So I bought, bought, bought the car, invested the rest and hopefully it will, it is uh, doing well. <laughs> you are an excellent adult Maya and I appreciate you. I try. <laughs> Amy's like, so, I bought a lot of privilege. I, I, and it was very really fantastic. No, she's smart. She's no, smart. I was very smart. So, so remember I was in my first year of graduate school. So I used the money to like help pay bills. So I would, not be as poor as I otherwise would have been. Um, like I like didn't just eat ramen noodles and I paid my electric bill. So like still smart. Um, so I used it to support myself in grad school. I, my mom and I went to Hawaii, so I took her to Hawaii to celebrate and then I invested it. And then I just recently bought a condo. So I used money for my down payment investments and didn't eat ramen noodles and then did one fun thing. So instead of buying a car, my mom and I went to Hawaii that's amazing, man! It really like Smart. changed y'all's lives, though. I mean, that sounds a lot it of really like did. really. That's a lot of great like impact on your lives. And you know, it's actually impacting our lives more than we ever thought it would. So I was just on LinkedIn the other day and got messages from people all the way in Australia saying, you know, how inspiring you know Amy and I are. And I know Amy gets the same messages, and people are still you know, finding us and watching us and, you know, the, the, whether it's because of the amazing race or because we're, you know, candy and ice cream scientists or because we're female scientists, you know, whatever it is, it's still having that impact. And so you just never know how something as simple as trying out for, for a show that you may not have a chance of getting on, except for the fact that you tried out can drastically impact your life, but not your, not just your life. It's about, it's also the lives of others. And so that's what's actually one of the most um, things from the race for me. The money is is awesome. I'm not going to lie. Like having that is is is, is great. Um, but being able to have to inspire and impact is so much more rewarding. It's it's priceless. It's things that money can't buy. And so for that, I just thank the amazing race for the opportunity to be able to impact other people's lives and also to continue to impact ours. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we, after that finale aired, like, both of our inboxes were just completely full, because we were at the yeah. right? So it's easy to find our email addresses, and, I mean, professors from all over the campus, departments that, like, I had not interacted with at all, there were all these, like, young female professors that were just like, thank you for representing us so well, like, you're, it just, it was cool to have an impact like that in such a positive way, and that had, had nothing to do with the prize money, it just had to do with um, like representing female scientists in the way that we did. And I, you know, it's years later and we're still getting contacted by people and it's just, it's very humbling. Like I told you guys offline, I specifically said, Mike, I want to choose this team because they are smart, hardworking women and I want to have them on and let them talk more um, than any other team. So I'm super glad you guys got a chance to come <laughs> and talk with us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for seeing us as how we wanted people to see us um, on, on the race. It's not just these underdogs, but like really having something to offer. Um, and, you know, we hope to continue to inspire people, you know, through the podcast as well as you know other things that that we do and believe it or not i guess amy and i have been doing a lot of things with the race lately like i don't know maybe Ooh. like three or four already this year it's kind of crazy At least, right yeah that's awesome yeah i feel like that yeah, phone's so cool. gonna ring <laughs> oh it feels I good know. start packing your pickle juice <laughs> and your shoes. oh my gosh You're i so definitely funny. hope it does ring but you, you know you, but i really hope it does ring but also would love to give other people a chance 
kids as well, because it literally is so transformative and a true opportunity of a lifetime that, you know, you can't even put it into words. But if the phone does ring, Amy and I will will answer and say yes. (laughs) Well, if not for ATX Festival, we would not have a chance to talk to you guys today. So we have to ask one last question. What are you guys watching this summer? What am I watching this? Oh, I'm watching Top Chef on um, Bravo right now. Outside of that, outside of that, I'm not really home much, (laughs) and I watch uh, sports. (laughs) You're watching. You're watching ice cream happen. I am watching ice cream. I'm watching myself eat ice cream and others eat ice cream. (laughs) Word, woman, word. Actually, I still do have some of the ice cream you made last time you were here in my freezer. I should. Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, what am I watching? So I am keeping up with Handmaid's Tale. I know there's new episodes of that that are out. Mm. Mm, we just talked to Bruce Miller this week, so you better oh, really? get on. <laughs> yeah, he was on our yeah, podcast with fun. us, and we got the lowdown on the cool. finale. So for sure, take cool, take cool. a listen. <laughs> You'll be excited. It's a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, Real for good. Sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> the podcast and the episode—they're both good. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Amy and Maya. Thank you guys so much for, you know, coming on and joining us today. You know, like I said, we're fans of the show. So it was a real honor for us to get to talk to you. Um, And, you know, sometimes you don't want to meet people that you like on TV, but you guys have been a blast. So thank you guys. Thank you for being awesome. And thank you for coming on. Delivered. Yes. You lived (laughs) up to expectations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for, for, you know, seeing something in us to even want to interview us. Because like Amy said so eloquently earlier, we, we still, you know, after the race, we still had jobs like as candy and ice cream scientists to go and do. And so thank you. Thank you for, um, you know, seeing that, that we are, you know, more than just the lab coat speakers and goggles and for allowing us to spend, spend this hour with you. It's been super fun. You're the best flavor of blue there is. And I mean that oh, in a good way. He's the smoothest flavor is Mike. (laughs) (laughs) For you listeners, don't forget that the amazing race 20th anniversary panel is available to rewatch on ATX TV festivals video on demand through the end of the festival on Sunday, I think actually until 2 a.m. Monday morning. So definitely go check that out. You could see Amy and Maya and Phil and a bunch of other competitors from past seasons. It was a blast listening and seeing everyone again. And uh, again, thank you guys for coming on and chatting with us. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you again to Amy and Maya. They sat with us for like an hour. We didn't have any kind of pre-planned time. They just were so willing to talk to us and answer all of our questions and and just be silly with us and and talk about ice cream lifestyle. Uh, (laughs) I I just want to give a big thank you to them for being so gracious about their time and so open with their answers. They were fantastic. I'm so, so pleased that we got a chance to talk to only the third all-female winning team on The Amazing Race. It still kind of boggles my brain that that's the truth. Yeah, only third female female team. Again, the, only the second team ever to not win a challenge until the final leg. And guys, <laughs> they were in fourth place in leg 11. If not for the grace of the, it had never happened before there were where the last the second to last leg was a non elimination leg. They went literally from fourth dead last to first. Wow. Even rewatching, like I said, I knowing that they were the winners, I thought, oh man, this might be like a little bit of a bummer of a rewatch because you know, I already know who wins. No, I'm sorry. This is so crazy and the, and I cannot wait to see the the twists and turns 
that happened so close to the end because I'm getting near to that, that to remind myself, like, what exactly happened? How did they actually do this? Because I'm so zoomed in on them and studying everything that's happening with them. Yeah, this was a season I had not caught uh, in my binge. I had been I jumped around. I didn't watch it literally because I was I was looking at all of like different people's lists for best seasons. And so Mm -hmm. that was and this this season, season 25 always kind of comes in like. 10th to 15th best season ever so I just hadn't gotten to it uh, but after speaking to them and hearing like their whole philosophy and how nice they are and how well they got along together yeah I think it's going to be one of the seasons I, I press play on pretty soon to watch so absolutely well hopefully you guys are getting a chance to check out more panels at ATX and you're finding some shows that you want to watch this is Caroline and this is Mike to stay tuned for our final two days of coverage coming up this weekend at pod clubhouse press pass and you can subscribe to this podcast and all of our podcasts at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic so that we don't have to have Phil come to your house and tell you that maybe you should think about what kind of person you are. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.